sex talk. Derek Miley, cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sexist isn't good enough. No, sex talk with Derek Miley. Hey, folks, welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here. I am back with a return guest. I'm so excited. You're my first return guest, Ariel. Ooh, that's <laughs> so exciting. those of you who listen to the podcast, you know Ariel from our – we already talked about IVF and all things infertility before. And today we're mm-hmm. going to be talking about – fertility, over the lifespan development, pretty much. We're going to talk about all the things and intimacy and how like pregnancy and making babies absolutely impacts our sex life as people who like to have sex. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it does. So Ariel, you want to talk a little bit, just remind the folks what kind of therapy you do and that you're a therapist? (laughs) Yes, I am a therapist. I'm Ariel Shoemaker. I'm in Asheville, North Carolina. Woo woo up here in the mountains. And I am a perinatal reproductive health therapist. So I see mostly folks who are pregnant, postpartum, and also folks going through loss or infertility struggles. Fantastic. Those who listen know I'm a fan of Ariel's and her work. And if you all get a chance, you should definitely jump on her Instagram. All of her photography is there. It's wonderful. And we'll hit all that stuff up in the show notes. So let's let's dive right in because both you and I are highly aware of how much we can talk and talk all day. So <laughs> yes, we are chatters. <laughs> so I kind of want to start with this question of like, how does the fertility process, even in, not just infertility, but trying to get pregnant impact intimacy generally? I think we touched on that a bit last time, but really talking about how a lot of times for folks who are going through any sort of fertility issues, that intimacy can become sort of like mm-hmm. a chore. It can become really laser focused on making babies and less about connection and being with our partners, which can get not so fun, not to mention the fact that some folks going through fertility struggles have to, you know, take medications or be on hormones. And that, of course, can all impact our desire to have sex, our libido, our ability to want to have sex. So, you know, even before you get pregnant, intimacy can super be impacted by this process. Absolutely. Sex is a job. Sex Mm -hmm. and then sex becoming, especially if there's any, I mean, I think even when you don't have fertility issues, when you are intentionally trying to get pregnant, it can become medical very quickly. Yeah, it can become real clinical. It can be real focused on we're only having sex during this time period of the month when we're ovulating then it takes away from those other times of the month. And so suddenly you're only having sex a few times in one week and, you know, not at other times of the month. And you're also sort of even maybe avoiding intimacy at other times of the month and not just sex, but other forms of intimacy. So affection or kissing or, you know, just being cuddly together because you don't want to have sex at those other times of the month because you feel so focused on that period. Right. And it's, I, we already have a problem talking about sex generally in the U S in particular and everywhere, let's be real. But then we add on top of it, making it a chore to become pregnant and it takes all of the passion, the desire, all of the the fun out of it. I mean, a lot of people will think in the very beginning, like, oh, having we're going to have sex every day. It's going to be yeah. great. And then by the end of the week, you're like, I don't want you to touch me. Stop looking at me. Exactly. People get real touched out during that time period, especially if it's taken more than a few months. Absolutely. So when you end up seeing folks, when they end up in your office, I imagine it's across all points of the fertility spectrum. So 
how do people like how should they recognize you know what we might need some help in this arena yeah yeah i think probably the the best ways to recognize it is or if you feel like there's some tension building about it or if you've even had a conversation with your partner about it like this is something that's going on you know it's funny you say that sex is something that's super taboo in this country and that's so true and I often find clients that come into my office who like I've actually have not even addressed it, but it's clearly an issue. And what I always say to people is, you know, you both know you're not having sex, right? Like, <laughs> this is not a secret. Like, this yes. is, you know, couples can be really good about communicating in other ways. But when it comes to intimacy, there's these feelings of shame and I don't want to talk about it. And, and so then it just sort of builds up. So I think honestly, everybody should have a therapist, but if you're going Mm -hmm. through, you know, fertility issues, if you're going, you know, just making a baby in general, there are huge transitions that happen when we have kids. And so, you know, I think the sooner the better really about coming in to get some support through those processes. Yes. That planning. I just did another interview with another couples counselor. And that was one of the things he mentioned was the thing that he talks to his couples a lot about, even just with sex is planning to have the conversation. And I think what you are just touching on that as well, like because it's not just about the sex part. It's the, oh, do you want kids? How many children do you want? How would you like to raise those children? And then how how would you like to have this process go? It's not just the the kind of fantasy of parenthood. And we were we were talking about that before we started recording. So like, how does the fantasy of baby and parenthood and and how does that impact fertility overall? Oh, girl, it's such a huge impact. I mean, I think that when folks are trying to get pregnant and they're having any issues, even if they're not having issues, but especially for our folks who are going through some fertility issues, there is this idea that pregnancy is the goal or getting past loss is the goal if they've had repeated miscarriages. And once they get to that goal, quote unquote, everything's great. Like pregnancy is going to be blissful. The postpartum period is going to be blissful because we have this new baby or babies and it's going to be magic, right? Like this is the ideal we have been working for. All problem solved. Right, exactly. (laughs) And I think that that is hugely problematic. And a lot of folks have a struggle with that. Like when they actually are pregnant and they're running into, ooh, like there's a lot of physical stuff happening or I am grieving not not being pregnant, even though I wanted this baby, like I'm grieving this new, you know, loss of my old identity. And then when the baby comes, of course, there's that this baby is an actual baby and not this like (laughs) ideal blissful baby. No, it's like this breast sucking, screaming, pooping explosion in your house where you don't have any sleep. And it's, it's a huge transition for everybody, but especially folks, I think, that have gone through fertility struggles or loss in the past. Absolutely. Because you use the having the baby as the, okay, I'm okay now. I'm no longer broken. I, I, I got through this. And then you have to face the reality of what children are like. Exactly. Yeah. And any struggles can feel like a like a trigger for folks who have gone through fertility or loss. Like if there's a breastfeeding struggle and they really wanted to breastfeed, that can really just be a re-triggering of that previous state of, you know, I feel like my body's failing me. It's not doing what it's, you know, supposed to do. So it just it comes with a lot. It's really complex. 
I feel like this is a little related. I, I notice, I see a lot, and just the anecdotally in my own social media use, many people using Pinterest and Facebook to plan these, you know, baby boards and how their pregnancy plan is going to go and and what the, vegetable size they are. <laughs> exactly. And then on top of that, that they're going to, you know, blend every all the baby food and they're going to make it all and they're they're a failure if they don't reach this level of perfection. Are you kind of seeing some of that too with your, with the folks? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I think that our society has done sort of this major shift where we're really into babies, which I think in some ways is a good thing and parenting and attachment and all of that. And I think, yeah, for the most part, those are all beneficial things. But at the same time, there's this huge pressure to be perfect, quote unquote, right? So like you have to breastfeed and you have to breastfeed exclusively. And if you don't, your kid's going to grow up with all these issues, you know, just to name one of a billion different things. You have to make your food organically at home and, you know, you have to do it from scratch. You can, if you get a jar of baby food, you're destroying your child's brain for life, like Right. So, yeah, I think that definitely impacts intimacy with couples because there's this pressure to be perfect. And then the focus becomes truly only the child. And that wreaks havoc on intimacy generally for people who then, you know, have to raise this little creature from the time that that point until, you know, hopefully they move out, you know, when they're 18. But uh, they may not. But sometimes not. (laughs) Not in this economy. (laughs) Right? So I want the listeners to know, I know Ariel probably will back me up in this, that you do not have to do this perfectly and preparing our children for suffering is probably our better bet when it comes to when it comes to being parents. And the other thing that just from the perspective, I mean, I love Brene Brown. She talks about very much about like, what would it mean if we created a world where our children were prepared for suffering rather than making right. these perfect little creatures? Yeah. And there's actually some research that shows that if babies have a slightly increased cortisol level when they come up, they're better prepared, which cortisol being the stress hormone, they're better prepared for stressful situations. Like stress is not necessarily always a bad thing and we can't protect our kids from everything. So, you know, you have to also let them be alive and experience life. Exactly. (laughs) We can't protect them from all of the things that are going to happen to them. Quick break from the action, folks. (laughs) Action. (laughs) I just want to tell you about my Patreon. Every week, I bring you guests and seriously, lots of sex nerdery. (laughs) Help me keep doing that by becoming a supporter. What do you get in return? Cool perks. For real. I am going to be doing shout outs, stickers, a bunch of stuff. So check it out at ericamiley.com forward slash Patreon. That's E-R-I-K-A-M-I-L-E-Y dot com forward slash Patreon. I hope to see you and see more of you by becoming a Patreon. Thanks, guys. I really want to address the intimacy in couples while you're trying to become a parent. So when couples are, are walking down this path, what what is one thing you think they could do from the beginning that could help them safeguard their intimacy that can that can help them flourish as a couple rather than struggle so much as a couple right communicate that's the biggest thing right like like i said earlier if you're not having intimacy you both know you're not having intimacy it's not a secret it's not hidden so it's okay to talk about it it's okay to even going into it saying like hey i've heard that getting pregnant can impact 
intimacy, or I've heard that the postpartum period can impact intimacy. Let's talk about how we're going to be able to communicate about that in a way that feels healthy for both of us. And also just expanding your idea of what intimacy is, right? Like, pregnancy is, you know, you, you're having all these hormonal fluctuations for the person who's carrying the baby and you can sometimes feel like you want to have sex and sometimes not like sometimes sex is definitely not on your mind. Sometimes the partners have trouble having sex with a pregnant person and that, you know, so there's all these things that come up and it's important to talk about it, to say like, this is going on for me. What's going on with you? How do you feel about that? Are there other ways we can be intimate? That would feel good for both of us. Absolutely. And if you are absolutely mystified by this process, come see one of us <laughs> or or we'll refer you to someone we know in your area. We're happy to help couples map this out. The people that, and I'm not going to speak for you, Ariel, but like the people I see who come to me before things get really bad are the people who tend to be more successful. Yep, that's exactly right. And I honestly believe that we should all be assigned a therapist when we have a child. Like (laughs) it is, you know, there's research that shows that the, the hardest time for couples is in that postpartum period, that first year postpartum, that I think it's around something around 60 ish percent of folks say that they are not happy with their relationship. And that has everything to do with having had this baby come into your life and what that means for couples. Um, And a lot of times in the postpartum period, relationships get put on the back burner, even starting during pregnancy. You know, the focus is on the baby. It's all on the baby, starting even when you're trying to make a baby. And so this relationship that we had been nurturing before and putting so much time and attention into is suddenly like not as important or considered not as important. And that can make relationships really suffer for sure. I know we, at least those of us who are in the field have seen the upside down bell curve of relationship satisfaction that goes through that. And the, it's an upside down bell curve. And that happens essentially when the children come into the relationship. It's not to say these children are terrible things, right? Like, Sometimes just, they are, but yeah. <laughs> for real. But social the, terrorists. But they are, they, they are all encompassing. So being able to understand that you can safeguard your relationship. You can absolutely focus on your relationship because the more you do that, the better you're going to model this for your children. Exactly. And I always tell that to parents. I always say like, I know you're doing this because you think you have to be the perfect parent, but part of being a really good parent is showing your kids that your relationship is a priority and having date nights, however you can make that happen, you know, getting out of the house, going, you know, for a walk together, just not always having baby close by because it's really important to, to put energy back into that relationship. And, you know, I think one way that we can prepare couples or one way that I try to prepare couples is by really talking explicitly about what intimacy during pregnancy and in the postpartum period can look like. Cause I think a lot of folks are just not properly prepared especially those of us who carry the babies, we're not necessarily prepared for what happens to our bodies hormonally, physically, all those things. Like there were things that surprised me and I've been working in this field for, you know, 10 years. Absolutely. And because every single one of us respond differently to pregnancy and the process of pregnancy, I think what you're saying is really, really important. So what are some of those things you do talk to them about, like building that intimacy? What are some of those ways that they can kind of start that blueprint? 
Mm -hmm. So during pregnancy, I talk a lot about like physical stuff, right? Like where our hormones are on a roller coaster. A lot of times we have morning sickness or extreme fatigue. Our bodies are changing. There's pains that we don't really even understand. Like what is happening right now? I don't know what that means. So sex can be really great during pregnancy. It, It can also be not so great during pregnancy. And so it's important just to have that conversation. And, you know, as long as someone is cleared medically for sex, sex is okay during pregnancy. A lot of folks are worried about that. But it's important, like one of the things I tell people is if you've been cleared for pregnancy and you do have sexual intercourse, you might actually experience some bleeding afterwards, for example. And that can be super scary for people if they're not prepared for it. Another thing is orgasms, right? Like orgasms during pregnancy make your uterus contract. And a lot of folks are not prepared for that feeling because when your uterus is much more giant than it was before, a contraction is a contraction. So it can feel almost painful. And so folks are like, whoa, what just happened? Am I, you know, did I do something wrong? And so those sorts of things are really important to talk about. Like this is explicitly what sex during pregnancy can look at. I mean, positions, right? Like these are positions that are comfortable. These are positions that aren't comfortable. Missionary might not be your favorite thing during pregnancy. Especially along the path, the way your body changes throughout the entire process. It it may have been okay in the beginning, but once you're eight months in. Once you're (laughs) giant, right. You might want to be on top instead. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So those sorts of things. And then in the postpartum period, oh girl, I mean, you know, (laughs) those of us who have birthed babies, we know that that can really change things a lot. And I think You know, some of the things are pretty, I think, known about, like there can be tearing, which can be really uncomfortable. Tearing is pretty common. And then I think there are things that are not known about, like, for example, and this is crazy for me because I've worked in this field for so long, but I, my first child was a C-section. My second was a VBAC. But with my C-section, I didn't know that C-sections actually have a higher rate of pain with intercourse than vaginal deliveries. And I had no idea like that. I was like, what? Like, how is that that possible? Wait. (laughs) I had a C-section as well with my son. And the other parts they don't tell you is, I mean, some of the doctor prepares you for it, like right after the fact, but beforehand, they don't tell you like, oh, you're not going to be able to sit up. That's not going to be a thing you're going to do. That's not going to happen. You have no tummy muscles, (laughs) thigh muscles, right? Like a major abdominal surgery, right? Mm -hmm. And and just the fact that it also, it changes around our insides and our pelvic area. So like, you know, intercourse can actually be pretty uncomfortable. And then the other thing I had no idea about many, you know, really at the beginning was how breastfeeding affects sex in the postpartum period. You know, breastfeeding reduces our, it's kind of nature's way of making sure we don't have more kids in that time period. And so it really reduces estrogen levels. And those are what I call the happy sex hormones. So when you don't have normal levels of estrogen, right, you can, there can be like a lot of friction, there can be less lubrication, it can be painful. So those are things that I think people are not always necessarily properly prepared for. And then they're like, oh my God, why is sex so painful? It's been several months and I'm still experiencing problems. Right. Or then they also don't prepare you for sometimes the mess of it. Right. <laughs> that you will potentially leak during sex. You might pee. <laughs> you might pee during <laughs> sex. And all of these things are absolutely normal and things that happen to all of us. Yes. I will tell people, put a towel down because like you do not have the same control over your pelvic floor muscles that you used to have. 
And that is what happens when we make babies. So now you might pee a little and that's totally cool, dude. Yes. That's what happens. <laughs> These are, and especially if things are really good and you're really stimulated, that arousal will will loosen those muscles and, it, and it's one to relax you. Exactly. And that's a wonderful feeling, but it also then you're going to experience sex in a different way. Right. Exactly. And I, you know, people may have never used lube before, or not used it very often and, and get some lube. Kids. Yes. Like it is fine. <laughs> that is what it is there for, you know, especially in that first year postpartum when things are just real different. And especially if you're exclusively breastfeeding, cause that can really cause some, some issues. So lube going really slowly, right. Especially if you've had tearing scar tissue can really cause some, some pain. And, and the other thing to know too, is like when to get help, right? Like if you're having sex and you're, or you're trying other forms of intimacy and it's really not comfortable and it's continuing to be really not comfortable, even with like lube, reach out to your OB, like tell them what is going on because there are some things to do. Like with breastfeeding, there's a topical estrogen cream that can really help or with tearing or scar tissue, you can get pelvic floor therapy with some fantastic physical therapists. So there are things to be done is what I'm saying. Don't just suffer. Absolutely. I'm so glad you said that too. And all of us, even those of us who've been in the field for and understood like how how babies are made and how the the emotional toll that it can take. Things happen to your body that you're just not prepared for. That's right. And the abdominal muscle separation that happens to many of us. So your abdominal muscles end up separating to make room for baby. And then once you start feeling better and maybe you get back into exercise, you can't do the abdominal work that you used to be able to do. can't do what you used to do. You can push in between those muscles and it feels really weird. (laughs) Yeah. And those are the things that Pinterest does not prepare you for. No, Pinterest does not prepare for that. And Pinterest also does not prepare for the mental health piece of it either, which is, of course, my focus. But intimacy can be really affected if there's any perinatal mood and anxiety disorders going on, right? Which can start during pregnancy, but can mm-hmm. happen in the postpartum t- period too. I think we we kind of all know the term postpartum depression. I think that's used a lot, but I think people know less about like postpartum anxiety, for example, and what yes. that looks like and how that can super impact intimacy. Because if you are feeling unsafe and uncomfortable in your body, or if you've had any kind of birth trauma or anything like that, you are not you know, reaching to your partner for intimacy most of the time. And many of those parents end up feeling so guilty and so ashamed because of this fantasy that has been created, that you're supposed to have this wonderful bonding and all of it's supposed to be perfect and birds are supposed to sing. And it didn't happen that way. And it didn't happen that way. You know, folks bond with babies at different time periods. And and a lot of us experience some postpartum depression or anxiety. One thing I always tell people is, you know, that also can be treated. I think there's such, like you said, there's so much shame around that. Like I'm supposed to be feeling super happy and excited and bonded with this baby. And, and maybe you are feeling bonded with the baby, but you're still feeling really down or really anxious. There are medications you can take when you're breastfeeding that are safe. There's folks like us who are perinatal specialists that can help you walk through that. And it's really important to get help like as soon as you start to feel bad rather than waiting. You know, I often have clients that come to see me during, you know, in their second postpartum period or their third postpartum period because they just sort of suffered in silence through their first one. And that makes me feel so sad because there's so many things we can do to help. 
Absolutely. We can help them at the very least. We can help normalize and understand like, hey, you are not alone in this, not even for a minute. That's right. And on top of that, some I've had clients say like, oh, I had an okay first pregnancy, but the second one, it was absolutely dramatically different. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to understand that even if you've had one pregnancy, the second one or the third or however many will be different from the others. Yes. Every pregnancy is totally different. You can have one where somebody experiences like zero morning sickness and just is one of those really annoying pregnant people that just kind of bounces (laughs) around. And then you have the next one where they're just puking their brains out for six months. And, you know, so yeah, every pregnancy, every labor is different. You know, I really try to prepare people for labors and C-sections as much as possible. And, you know, it's important to know that things can be very different from one to the next and what that can look like. Absolutely. I am such a fan of yours and I am so glad you can be here with us again today and more than likely we'll probably be back again. (laughs) So how do people find you in the world, Ariel? So I'm on Facebook, Ariel Shoemaker Therapy and Photography. I'm on Psychology Today. If you search by my name, I'm on the Instagram, Ariel Shoemaker Photo. We had to look it up before this podcast (laughs) because I'm really bad at marketing myself. It'll all be in the notes, folks, I promise. Yeah. Yeah. Most of it. I mean, if you're interested in the therapy side of things, that's psychology today. The other side is kind of my creative outlet of photography. So Mm -hmm. again, I'm telling y'all find her on Instagram. Just incredible photos. I'm going to, I'm just going to head over to North Carolina and be like, Hey, let's, let's do something. Anytime. (laughs) Or maybe I could fly down to the beach. Yes. The beach. (laughs) The beach sounds great. All right. Thank you so much for joining me again today. And folks, again, everything that you need will be in the show notes. Thank you for hanging out with us to the end. And we will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening, folks. Please rate and review on iTunes. That helps this podcast get found. If you leave a five-star review, let me know about it on any social media. And I'll shout you out on the podcast. You can find my website at ericamiley.com. You can find me on Facebook, the gram, and Twitter. See y'all next time.